0: Welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast, where we discuss all things real estate, personal finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and the many ways to achieve financial independence. We interview accomplished investors and entrepreneurs with the goal that their stories inspire you to take control of your financial future. Here to get your creative juices flowing, while also documenting their own personal investing journeys, are your hosts, Corey Jacobson and Ryan Bevilacqua.
1: Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, it's your boys, Ryan and Corey here with another episode. Today, we interviewed Sash Bernhardt. He's a real estate investor and pilot. Uh, Specifically, he hones in on real estate syndications, um, specifically multifamily. He has a portfolio of over 148 million that is comprised of over seven hundred and fifty units. I think he's about, and he's in the thousands now. Um, and he is a GP as well as an LP on multiple deals. So general partner and limited partner on a ton of different deals throughout the country. But as I as I mentioned, he focuses specifically on multifamily. And his passion is helping other pilots that make a you know a healthy income invest passively into real estate. And that's what he does through his uh, website v1capital.com.
2: Yeah, he's the CEO of Bernhard Capital, and that's like the group that he's created. He's got to say, mention he has a lean, small team, right? But he's been able to take down really large deals with that. And he mentioned that he was was a pilot, then he went away from being a pilot. And part of that was because of COVID. But then, as we started talking to him in the episode, he went actually went back to being a pilot, not because of necessity that he needed a W two job, because he was making a significant amount of money through his real estate investments, but because that's really what he loved. And he mentioned it in the beginning of the episode. He's like, "I love. I just wanted to be a pilot when I was three years old or four years old, whatever." He said, "I am. How amazing is it to know what you want to do at that young of an age, and then actually go get to do it? Right? Like when I was." three or four, I, I probably was like, I want to be in the NBA. And then God was like, nah, dude, you're pretty small. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he, he was able to do it. And then he went back to it. So COVID kind of put this interruption in there, but he was able to have enough passive income through his real estate investments in 2020 to sustain himself, which was awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, very cool episode. We talked a lot about syndications, capital raising, and the nuances of like investing in bigger deals, how to put a team together. We talked masterminds. Then at the very end, we actually started talking about life coaches and like business coaches and how important that is I know you probably have heard us talk about this in previous episodes but it was cool we know his um his coach Steve Rosenberg we had him on way back he's also a pilot so these guys just kind of like hit it off and um now he satches as someone to help you know kind of puppeteer and orchestrate the other things that are important in his life outside of just real estate right it's talking about his health his happiness relationships yep. uh travel exploring the world uh, you know
2: I loved his message about his flight path and he used that because of his he was throwing all these like i don't know if the right word is innuendos but he was throwing all these like these piloting terms in the beginning of the episode you could tell that he loves it but he used the word and the term flight path flight plan flight plan sorry yes for all of the aspects of his life like he has a flight plan where he's going what he wants to do in x amount of time for his his family his health his wealth his business and i thought that resonated with me because you really need to know where you're going and what's going to happen in the next five years, not just like going through life, trying to figure it out as it comes. And that was part of the reason he hired a life coach in general. It was a good episode. Ryan and I got to talking a lot about our personal lives and what we're thinking about doing next. And I think it was a just a, a really good conversation with a good dude. Couldn't agree more. So I think without further ado, let's bring in
1: Satch. Let's do it. When you have investment properties and tenants, you need a good system in place for collecting rent to make it easy as possible. And Rent Ready can help you with everything. When you sign up for Rent Ready, you can start adding your properties, inviting tenants, and creating charges. You can even set up automatic rent reminders and create auto late fees as well. For tenants, they can pay via ACH, card, or even cash using RentReady's web and mobile apps. They can also use an automatic payment setup and sign up for rent reporting so they get rewarded for paying rent on time. RentReady saves you time and hassle by automating rent collection, and you can manage everything from one dashboard. For our Weekly Juice listeners, Rent Ready given us a special 50% off for any Rent Ready plan using our code, Weekly Juice, at RentReady.com. That's R E N T R E D I dot com using the code Weekly Juice. That's W E E K L Y J U I C E to save 50% off any Rent Ready plan. Satch, officially welcome to the Weekly Juice podcast. Corey and I are so excited to have you on the show, man. As I mentioned pre recording, done some research on you. We know a bunch of your partners and uh, you're doing some big things. So we're honored to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's take a trip back and talk about maybe your um, experience pre-real estate investing. I like to kind of learn a little bit about people before they took the plunge into full-time real estate. So walk us through your journey and then we'll uh, ask questions along the way.
3: Yeah, for sure. It's funny, right? It seems like most people real estate is not their main thing and, and everybody just kind of lands on there, right? Not pun intended. Um, but so I I wanted to be a palace since I was a little kid, right? That was my only thing. Re- real estate was not I'm a morator. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things that I, I sort of thought that as I went along in my life, I will own things, right? But I just never thought I would go into it the way I did. Um, so what happened is when I was 21, I got hired on my first airline. And naturally, you ask your peers about their career. How has it been so far? You know, guys that have been doing it for 20, 30 years. You kind of want get, to get some sense of direction of, of where your life is going to go in, in the next couple of years, right? And all of them will tell me that they had been uh, furloughed a couple of times from their from their previous airlines. Their airlines went bankrupt, they shut down, uh, they lost their medical certificates, and and it, they couldn't fly for a certain period. Throughout their career in those 30, 20, 30 years, and it become it became very evident to me that uh, it was the theme in the aviation industry that it goes up and down, and that's when I decided that um, if I really wanted to have a successful financial future, I needed to do something aside from flying that 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 could hold me if anything happened in the aviation industry. Right, so um, I started doing some research. Uh, reading books, uh, attending uh, meetups of real estate, and uh, funny enough, at first, so I read the book Rich that Poor that, Right, many people know that book, and that just that just opened my mind to all the possibilities that that exists. Right, and it's a great book, and if once you read it, you you can't go back to being the same person you were before. Right, you were before. Um, so I, I read about stocks. I tried to do the stock thing. I hated it. It was just. It was not for me, right? And and um, so then I said, you know what? Real estate seems like a simple concept, and I'm gonna let me let me try that one, right? And and so I went to my local RIA, I joined there, and then I started talking to other people there, and I decided that I wanted to try house flipping, right? And wholesaling. So that's what I started doing back in 2018. Um, I started doing a couple of wholesale deals. And then I started growing the team, learning a lot of lessons doing that. I eventually got to a point where we're uh, 31 employees and then um, we're doing pretty good. And uh, all of the money that I was making, I was putting it, I I was wanting to put it somewhere. I just didn't know what I was going to do. And the last thing I wanted to do was start owning single family homes, nothing against single family homes. I just, it was not for me. right? And and, um, so I found syndications and I figured, hey, that's Perfect for me, right? Because I was flying while at the same time I was running the business. The last thing I wanted to do was have a third thing going on, managing properties and all that, right? So I started putting money in syndications. And, and uh 2020 came. We all know what happened, uh, the pandemic, and my airline shut down, right? So at that point, that was a very um eye-opening moment for me because I look back and and I was I was comfortable, right? I was I was making good money, uh, house flipping, wholesaling. That I didn't care that Maryland shut down. I was making I was making enough income, and but I I did realize how many of my uh, colleagues they were stressed, right? They didn't know where the next paycheck was going to come from, and in those situations, uh, not only you lost your job, but also nobody else is hiring because of the same reason you lost your job, right? So nobody needed pilots at the moment, so. They were really struggling, and that's when I realized, like, hey, if I can bring this message and I can help all the pilots uh, invest in real estate the way I was doing it, uh, I can help a lot of guys have, be on a on a better spot next time the aviation industry gets uh, takes a dive. Right? And- yeah, it's so funny. You mentioned a, a bunch of different like uh, sayings about <laughs> taking a
2: dive and up in mm-hmm. the air, and I was like, he's really a pilot, dude. This guy's really. But um, so I'm curious about how you were able to manage some of the flipping and the wholesaling like while you were flying I, I imagine that your hours were kind of all over the place right or or maybe not all over the place but like consistently a lot right and you're actually it's not like when you're flying you're doing a job that you can kind of multitask right it's like you gotta fly the plane so okay. what um what about maybe your personality or the way you structured your life how are you able to do both effectively
3: yeah um yeah i'll say you know I, i'm not anything special um and we'll have the same amount of hours right in a day so so i'm just very diligent with my calendar um and and i'm very purposeful about what i'm doing at every single time right and yeah i mean things things fires come out every once in a while right and you have to things handle things outside of your calendar uh sections but um yeah at first it wasn't that easy you know uh, it's not i can say that um i did the the hustle for the first couple of years while I was trying to there was there was a huge gap from where I was because I was I was an airline pilot right and that's all I knew how to do I didn't know how to sell I didn't know how to structure a business I didn't know how to grow a business how to hire people the right way uh, there was a lot of things that I didn't know that I needed to learn and I was learning by making mistakes and, and 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 as I went trying to grow the business right it was almost and I was reading books I have a lot of books right and it was almost as a, as if they were my medicine right as as soon as I Came to a roadblock, and then I realized, okay, there's something that I don't know here, and I went and bought a book about uh, whatever that thing was. And and then I learned how to structure something better, right? And then that's what allowed me to structure things better. And uh, sometimes it was it was not the most glamorous uh lifestyle, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll get, I mean, you guys know about putting bandit signs, right? And, and 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 so, big caveat for anybody that's listening, right? I'm not endorsing bandit signs, and and you should check with your city if you can put those or not, if you want to put them. But um, I'll go on Fridays at midnight and I'll go and put out, blanket the entire city with, with bandit signs, right? And I will stay up until like 5 a.m. putting bandit signs. And then I have to stay up the next day to answer the calls from people that were calling, right? And then I'll, I'll do that throughout the weekend. And then Monday I'll go flying and I'll be taking calls in between flights, you know? So it was it was quite the grind for the first couple of years. So, the,
1: sorry, I know you got one, yeah. but the bandit signs for people that- Aren't familiar with real estate as much as we are. It's like those are literally like the we buy ugly houses signs, right? And you just go painting them all over the city. And then you're, you said you're barely sleeping, then you're going up, getting flying and just kind of going through the process over and over.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, and
2: yeah. So I think it was really interesting something that you mentioned, Sash, Like the, the, um, a lot of people will go out and get a skill set like you have to fly a plane, right? Or they'll go and get a skill set to be a carpenter or they'll go and get a skill set to, Be a painter, or whatever that may be. That maybe they're not intending to go make money from it, but it evidently ends up leading to cash coming into them, so they can live, right? But if you focus on the skills required to do that job, or the round, the I guess the skills that surround your job, I feel like it makes it a lot easier for you to transition to something else, right? Not just the actual painting of the strokes or the actual flying of the plane, but like you had to create a skill set that allowed you to do other things to communicate to negotiate while you were flying and I think anybody's listening it's it's great to go all in but the 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 well-rounded person can adapt and they can change and they can move on the fly and I think that that is a testament to your story and maybe how you were able to look when when covid shut everything down you were like I'm good like I'm sure you lost a significant portion of income right you weren't like thrilled about it but the fact that you're able to to move forward and transition like that I think is not many people can say that
3: yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and 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 yeah, and it's a little bit scary, right? Because um, even though you see that income coming in from your business that you created, you still have that W two that it's it's your safety net, right? And then and then as much as you see those numbers come into your bank account, the day you lost your secure job, your W two, is still it still uh, hits you, right? And you're like, man, uh, yeah, absolutely. I
2: think the the you mentioned earlier about like you not wanting to go into single family and you go into multifamily and I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts and done a lot of research on this and David Green I think put it most succinctly is that single family wasn't really made to to be for investors it wasn't made to be cash flowing like society has created it to cash flow now with Airbnb and midterm rentals and and some long term but like really multifamily is what investors have typically gone into so I think you made a smart decision there. And I want to talk about your transition and like being an LP and what you learned when you were just investing your cash into deals that allowed you to transition to what you do a lot now, which is GP deals. Like, can you talk about that? And the reason why I'm asking the question is because Ryan and I did, we had a similar path. Like we started as LPs, now we're GPs. And we learned just like people are asking us. Hey, I want to I want to partner with you guys, but I also want to learn because I want to do this on my own. So it's a very cool transition that I think a lot of investors go to when they maybe like tap out of their own personal portfolio. So long winded there. But just give me some like um, some background and some um some tips of what you learned along the way.
3: Yeah. No, that's a great point. I think I think single family homes uh, are the business of the banks, right? They're not uh, for investors. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so so the some of the lessons that I learned by going as an LP, and I I get a lot of people that reach out to me, and I have some investors that invest with me that um that they want to do a couple of LP deals, and then they they want to go into um more of an active role. And I think it's number one is super smart to first do a couple LP deals. You will learn so much just by riding along and and being passive and just getting. Seeing what the sponsors are doing on the property and uh, getting a feel for how different sponsors work and how they communicate and their styles and um, um and so I, I think that's number one right and and so I took a lot from that uh, I invested in in I think it's like four deals like back to back with different guys different places right and so that just gave me a very good sense of what kind of properties I wanted to focus on for myself and and really understanding how uh it really goes down pretty deep into just by how you present the deal right like how you present your slide deck is it very well made is it like is it like does it look like a kindergarten kid did it you know or uh little things like that that i started picking up on different sponsors and and how they were uh projecting their deals right and um another another thing that i learned is is uh, as far from an lp perspective Um, really wanting to figure out what markets do you want to focus on, what properties you want to focus on. And you as a passive investor developing a a criteria, almost as if you're the active investor looking for deals, right? Because uh, once people know that you're an LP, I don't know if you guys experience this, but you got syndicators uh, sending you emails left and right about different deals, right? And I I get so many emails in my inbox and I'm like, I don't even know who these people are, right? But uh, they're pitching me a deal to invest in. So you're going to get an overflow of deals, um, and, and so it's super, it's much easier to, uh, remove all the clutter by, by having your criteria of like, what kind of, what kind of vintage do you want to properly joint investor, right? What strategy is it, do you want to do value add for plus, like what is that you want to do? Right. Um, and, and what area, what markets do you want to invest in? I, I suggest, and, and the, the, most of the, uh, research that you should do, in my opinion is, is goes along with the sponsor as well, right? Uh, a, a really good sponsor uh, can make a property uh, go well, right? And and even if the property is kind of in an intermediate uh, area or intermediate property, right? Like I, I know of a sponsor who um, we've done other deals, but in this particular property, I wasn't I wasn't part of that property, but they bought it and they uh, realized that uh, they had raised I think it's like. 2 million in, in CapEx, right? And for those listening, that just means for all the renovations and things that are going to go into the property. But then they started re- do this. They, they recognized that they were uh, organically being able to raise rents at the pro forma rents without even doing anything to the units. So they held all the money back and then they ended up selling the property like nine months later. And so they spent zero in the CapEx and uh, they just sold the property, right? So So it's very subtle things that some more experienced guys can can't realize suppose somebody might have not noticed, you know, they just start spending the money without having to spend the money, right? Um yes. just subtle things that certain sponsors have acquired and experienced over the years that that uh you should look into and
1: yeah, I think it's a good point. I think um for a lot of people listening, they they might be interested in um investing passively into deals, right? That we've her, we've talked to a lot of people that have are high income earners, right? Maybe they're doctors, surgeons, wh- whatever, um, physical therapists, whatever, whatever it may be specifically, right? But they have a high W two, and they don't have time to go build out a team and go vet the deals and go analyze properties and kind of go through the whole process of right, like building the little empire. So I think for them, it's important to know that there's basically an olive branch out there, a resource for them. They can they can still invest in real estate. They don't have to do all that. I think the most important thing is to your point. Vetting the operator of the deal, right? And the sponsor and going through that, like, what's your track record? How many deals have you exited? Um, What specific markets are you in and why? And then it's also sitting in on a lot of the pitches. I think you brought that up too. It's like there's so many people that run their deals different ways, but you get a gut feeling about someone when you meet them on a Zoom or you meet them in person and you know that's your pack, right? We've had a bunch of these investor calls recently because we have have a deal wrapping up here um, in the next couple of weeks. And we really, People were vetting us, but at the same token, we were vetting who we wanted to bring into the deals, right? Obviously, you know, you're not gonna pinpoint specific things and and you know, um, like hold anyone out of the deal. Yeah, like, discriminate. Discriminate. Yeah, that was my word. I'm sorry, we're not gonna discriminate, but you go in and you find people that are like minded and they are wanting to be investors, right? Or they are investors and they have the same outlook and values and morals that you do. And it gets you a little bit more excited to work with them because it might just not be on this one deal. But you can go ta- take down multiple and you build your own like mini fund if you will and you know the same people will just keep rolling with you um but the reason i brought bringing all this stuff up is we originally started out our journeys and we're like hey we need to start single family then we stack to the duplex then we go triplex quad and you just like the stack right i think brandon Turner talked about it but there are other people that we interviewed on our show when we first started getting into real estate investing one was david tupin and he started with the 100 unit as his first thing and i was like dude are you we're like, oh my God, that guy's badass. And he is, don't get me wrong, if he's listening, you're like, David, you're badass. If you're listening, but we're like, how did he do that? That's such an anomaly. And we we fail to realize is like he's not taking the deal down by himself. He's outsourcing other investors, maybe 10, 15, 20, to pull the capital together to go take down the big property himself. Them, and so, or as a team, I should say. And so that aspect for us is so cool. We're like, wow, we have this platform. We know a ton of investors. We don't need to keep hitting the ones and twos. We can take down the 15, 20, 30, 100. So I think people that are listening, I want to say this is like, if you have a network, if you know how to analyze these deals, you can build a team, you can start bigger. And I think it's really daunting for people at first, but once you get one, and it's usually friends and family that invest with you to throw the first one, you build a track record, then you scale up. Once you have that track record and things are rolling, then you can start bringing more people in. And that's where I want to talk about you, right? Your target audience. There's we talk, There's a bunch of different syndicators out there, right? And they all do different things. For you, I think you have such a unique niche that you carved out with, you're a pilot, right? And there's a lot of pilots that they make a heavy W-2 income, but they lack the time, the resources, the energy to go invest in deals and build their own team. Those guys go in with you and say, hey, Satch, you know the game. You got the big players. You're vetting the deals. I'll Send me, send me what you have, right? And then you can re- essentially raise capital and take all these pilots with you from each deal to deal. Now, I don't know if I hit that nail on the head, but can you talk to specifically like how you go about your business? Because I know everyone's different and have you know specific niche carved out.
3: Yeah, no, you you, you you're exactly right. And, and I think if you are, uh, I decided early on that I wanted to focus on the fund management side of the business. Right, I never wanted to be an operator. I have no desire in. Uh, going out and finding properties myself, and and running the operation of of managing the property, right? So so from early on, I decided, okay, fund management is going to be my thing, and all I want to do is allocate uh, capital in in with operators, right? And um, I found my I uh, joined mastermind, which uh, and from their mastermind I originally had the thing of of wanting to pitch it to everyone that I knew and and everyone that I could even put my face in front of right I'll, I'll try to raise money from them but then nobody nobody related to me right nobody related to my message oh my message was was going into an empty hole and in the mastermind they 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 drilled down on me to really find an avatar right and and I don't know why it was not obvious to me to pick pilots at first right I, I just thought I was living out a lot of people and I think that's pretty common, right? And many people that, that try to start raising capital, that they, they think that that they, they think that if they narrow their criteria or their avatar down to, to a specific criteria, they're going to leave out a lot of people. But you kind of, in an essence, have to do that for you to be unique and recognizable. As soon as I did that, I had doctors reach out to me, lawyers reach out to me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even crafting a message for you guys. But they resonated with the message, right? They resonated with something relevant in their industry that also happens to ours. And they reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'm not a pilot, but can I still invest with you? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And um, so like 40% of our investors are not pilots. And um, so, but uh, going back to the pilot thing, right? It, it just, it with the pilots themselves, it increases such a credibility standpoint because we speak the same language, right? If you have... Uh, 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 somebody, I don't know, whatever your previous industry that you were in, right? If you were a doctor, a dentist, and you start, you already know where they congregate, right? You know where those people, uh, what they do, what they like, and, and you guys can relate with stories. You can talk about certain things. Uh, so you immediately have an upper hand on anybody else that is not in the same industry that that avatar you're trying to raise capital from. And so that's huge. That, that's huge for me. And that was huge for, for me to be able to raise capital. It just gives me yeah. such credibility when I talk to them. I think
2: it's partially because you were really niched out and very specific. And everyone talks about like on social media, for example, or just whenever you're trying to get something done from a business idea, you want to be direct. And like your thing, Satch, is that I teach pilots how to become financially free through real estate, right? somebody that's even not a pilot is seeing that and he's like, "Oh, I know exactly what he does." That's the thing. Like I know exactly what he does. I can understand the message, I can receive it, and even if I'm not a pilot, I wonder if he still works with me. As opposed to somebody that's like very broad, like I teach real estate investing, right? And that's less is it right for me? I don't know. It could it possibly be. I'm not sure. And then maybe you bypass it by because of that. Did you have something Yeah, I you made me think twice. So for
1: us, we're we're narrowing in on our Avatar, right? We're in this process. We I talked to you about pre-recording. We, we're we're going through this and basically building out our business on this. And for us, I'm we've been broad, and I looked at yours. and I was like, that is so niche and narrow. And I'm like, wow, hmm. I'm curious on how he actually runs the ship in the back end and what percentage. So that was perfect. Like sixty percent pilots, forty percent others. I love that you also. Maybe without even realizing you did it, you also targeted high net worth individuals or high W2 paying individuals with the doctors, with the lawyers at the same time. And they were, you're were like, yeah, of course you can, you can invest with me. So for me, I was thinking, oh, those people will think immediately like, nope, he's only working with pilots. But it's funny they people want to be a part of something, right? And they know that they're making a similar type of income. So I think it's genius. Um, and for us, it's really, it's kind of helped me frame my mind. I'm like, okay, we really need a laser focus and figure out what our avatar is. Because that's how all your marketing goes across, right? Like you can your ebook, your um, all the lead magnets that you potentially have—they're all geared towards the one avatar. Um, and seems like it's caught on like wildfire for you.
3: Yeah, and and it, it's so my marketing—I narrow it down to a very specific airlines for and pilots that have been at those specific airlines for X amount of time or more. So it's very very targeted. and like it's probably even easier because I know how much money they make, right? So. Uh, yeah. like so no, but but that's how niche I am, right? As, as far as my marketing goes, my my outbound marketing to, to target them is super, super narrow like
1: that. Yeah.
3: So real quick, we didn't even mention the fact that you have between LP and GP now over a
2: thousand units. I don't know what the exact number is. Maybe you could share it with us. Yeah, I, I haven't updated it, but uh, something like that yeah, is okay. Good. Right, so when you get so to a certain thousand. when you get to a certain point, you stop counting specifically. So it's good.
3: But... Yeah, sorry, I was I was gonna say you bring a good point because I usually don't like to count doors because so I have some LP deals that I invested fifty grand, right, and it's it's like yeah, it's one hundred seventy six unit apartment complex, but you know, how much do I really own of that? It's it's, it's a small percentage, right? So I, I never really like the door count because I don't really truly think that, uh, and I do have it on the website just to kind of show like a number of units, but uh, I don't like to say, oh, I have so many units, right? Gets, no,
2: I, Satch, I think that's it's important. And you'll notice that if you go on our Instagram, we specifically don't talk about that because we're GP in, in two deals or LP in one deal. Like we have, you know, if you count up the number, it's over a hundred and it's like, uh, but you're right. Like we have partnerships that we formed, but I always get a little skeptical when I see somebody that puts out there the, I have a thousand doors. It's like, okay, well, if you own 2% of a thousand doors and it's not that you're not doing well, it's just a little bit of false advertising. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and my question for you really is that the, the transition from being an LP to a GP, I know I asked the question, but now I'm curious, like. When did you feel like you were able to jump in and maybe what was your first deal that you gp'd and give us some background on that maybe the the unit size and and how you were able to create that next level relationship with the other part the other gps or co-gp'ing the deal
3: yeah so my very first one was actually also a deal and i'm, I'm actually not a gp on it because i tried to race for it and i failed right so i tried to uh i raced for a deal and uh, i had Made an agreement with another person that we were both going to raise three hundred thousand dollars together for this deal, right? If we raise three hundred thousand dollars, we were going to get a, a piece of the GP, and uh, we were in, right? Um, I was only able to raise a hundred, and I said, "Screw it! I want, I want to get in on the GP, so I'm going to put fifty grand myself, right?" So I, I raised my half, and that other person couldn't raise the other half. So then, um, the the sponsors were like, "Well, you know, we said that we'll get you in for for the full." Uh, 300,000, right? And you guys only got half. So I was, these investors were like super excited about the deal and I'm like, all right, screw it. We're going in, right? So did, we just invested in that one. So that was one that I tried to raise capital for and I couldn't make the, the hurdle, right? And then the next one uh, that I made at GP was its, uh, uh deal in Houston that was a, a 350 unit, a class A uh, property. And so I raised that one, that one went well, I raised over 400,000. And so finally made made the hurdle right. And I I made another attempt to raise prior to that one. Um. But it was kind of the same scenario, right? I thought I could raise more. I forget what deal it was, and I gave it a try to raise capital for it, and 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 I didn't right? So it was, it was. I thought it would be much easier than I than I actually. Uh, uh, it actually was right. And, and I just knew a lot of people in my, in my head that I was like, oh, dude, easily I can raise 50 grand from this, hundred grand from that one, 300 from this one. And once it came down to it, it was like, none of those people were anywhere around and, or they were not interested in the deal. Right. And now it's like, okay, well, this is, there's a lot that I have to learn here that I, I just don't know. Right. And that's why I took a step back and I went back to, uh, uh, learning all the things that I needed to learn to be able to put it together.
1: So you mentioned earlier um, something about books being your medicine, right? And what you know, obviously basically with like you're lacking the knowledge and you went to to source the books. You mentioned Rich Dad, poor dad, but now we're like really honed in on syndications. Can you talk about some of the education that you did? Because there's probably a lot of people listening that are like, all right, dude, this sounds awesome. And I really want to get involved. And actually before I get there, I want to distinguish. So we keep throwing around LP and GP, just for people that aren't familiar, um, LP is a limited partnership or a limited partner. When you're in the deal, you just invest passively, right? You mentioned you invested $50,000 into a deal. You get a certain share percentage of the equity in the deal. You make some capital. By investing capital, right? By investing capital strictly, right? You're essentially a silent partner, right? As a limited partner. GP is a general partner where you're actually helping manage the deal. You're asset managing, right? So you get a a higher cut of the equity, right? You probably raise some capital. You probably do investor relations. There's a lot of things along the way. You have to have a specific role that you're getting paid for, not specifically for capital raising. So um, just distinguishing that for people listening, GP, general partner, you're actually facilitating, helping facilitate the deal. Limited partner is an LP, which is you're completely passive and you basically get into the deal by investing capital.
2: Yeah. And you can be an, a GP and do a number of things too. You could raise capital and be the property manager. You could, you could do like, you could. Underwrite a significant portion of the deal, but there has to be, like you said, that distinction of what are you doing besides just bringing money.
1: Yeah, you can't, you basically cannot get a chunk of the deal just specifically for raising capital. You have to have a defined role that you're getting paid for, which is um, the SEC defines it that way. And, you know, that's the way it is. But I I wanted to bring up, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that you said you failed a couple of times, right? Because a lot of people go strictly to this. We've only learned through failure as well, right? And reading. And so bringing me back to the first question is, you know, what books are you reading? What education did you, like knowledge did you soak in? So that way people can cut through the fat and go right through and be like, okay, listen, these are the books I need to read. This is what I need to do to prepare myself for if I want to take the plunge.
3: Yeah. The first one, I literally just started typing on Google, Raising Capital for Real Estate. And Hunter Thompson's book comes up. And at the time, I didn't know who he was, right? I just just read it, uh, Raising Capital for Real Estate. I was was like, okay, I'm going to read this one. And I started reading it and is a really great book, right? So it was step-by-step, step, just straight to the point, all of the things you need to do um, to 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 start raising capital, right? And putting together yep. all your marketing and all your strategy. Um, so I, I went back to back on that book, I don't know where it is, but like, if you saw my book, it's like label. I have a lot of tabs in it because I kept referring back to it, you know, and, and just make sure that I was doing it right. And um, so after I finished the book, I was still not like getting much traction and I just felt there was a missing piece, right? And as, as I said, I'm I'm doing the steps. I'm just there's something missing here, and I just couldn't figure out what it was. And that's I joined his mastermind. So I joined uh hundred thousands mastermind, and and uh, that's when really things started taking off as well.
1: And taking <laughs> off again. There you go. You <laughs> gotta stop with these files, jokes. All right. Dad. I, I, no. I do it so much, it just comes out natural, you know. <laughs> no, it's good. Hey, we know who you are. That's great. So um, not not to interrupt your next thought, however, I I just purchased that book and I did a ton of research. His mastermind seems very legit and it gets all surrounded on like raising capital and like how to become a successful GP on a deal, right? So um, can you maybe talk to the types of people in the room on that mastermind, what the mastermind is and the people that you're surrounding yourself with and like what you guys study? Because we're in another mastermind, but this one's, that's laser focused, right? On one thing. So hoping you can talk about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. So and and uh, so that mastermind is strictly for raising capital, right? And how to structure funds, how to raise capital the legal way. Because you alluded to the fact earlier, you can't just raise capital and be compensated for it, right? You're acting as a broker dealer in that point, and then there's a whole series of things you you got to do to be able to get compensated that way, right? So I just wanted to to make sure I was doing things legally and I was doing it the right way, and I was I was essentially. Getting a shortcut to be able to start raising capital the fastest and the most efficient way. And uh, from my early on business mistakes, I realized how getting a mentor is the fastest way to attain your goals, as opposed to uh, just you know a lot of a lot of times we we think that we will figure figure it out on our own, and we will uh, instead of spending the money that we would have spent on the coach, we're just gonna spend it uh, trying it out and but that is still, uh, you end up spending more money and wasting more time than if you would have just been a coach and just getting there faster, right? Um, and this is coming from my guy that has no coaching course to sell you. And uh, so that's what the mastermind is about, right? The people that are in the mastermind, it's uh, I made so many connections, so many of the sponsors that I work with today, I met them in that mastermind. And um, it's just coincidentally a lot of sponsors also join the mastermind because they know that a lot of capital racers are there, so they want to connect with them. And uh, so you have all sorts of people there. You have uh, and big, they, then you have other. You have insurance guy. You have uh, uh, tax segregation guys join the mastermind just because they know that sponsors are also going there. So then they they all kind of just started crippling in. You know, as as the mastermind started growing, um, and so their relationships and the connections you will make there is is in, uh, unbelievable.
1: Yeah, you can 10X your business like sp- almost overnight, and I and I, that's a little cheeky, right? But truly, like. Rather than reading a book, surrounding yourself with the people that are doing it, that's how you really learn. And that's what I was kind of alluding to, right? You were kind enough to actually mention that you failed, right? A lot of people skip that step and they're just like, oh yeah, he's amazing. He's got thousands of units. But no, it takes literally like stumbling over yourself a couple of times and correcting course. And and I love I love the whole mastermind idea. It's called Raise Masters, right? Um, and yeah. the I'm curious, do they go on an annual basis? Are they monthly? Is it like, you know, just for framing it for people, like sometimes these things, it costs like- 10 grand plus to join something like this. I don't know your experience there. They have probably have a bunch of different options.
3: Yeah. they. Um, so they, they. is a is a yearly uh, program and you do, I want to say every other Tuesday, there's like a session um, that you join with everybody on a Zoom call. And then uh, there's a different topic to discuss every single, uh, every other Tuesday, right? And then everybody uh, breaks out into different rooms depending on what is it that you're wanting to learn. And then once a year, they do a retreat where you go out somewhere and everybody just flies out. While I was there, we went to Miami. And so that was awesome. We spent, I think it was four days in Miami. And you know, you get to see all the people that you have been seeing on Zooms. Now you finally get to meet them face-to-face and, and connect and and really strengthen those relationships. Um, just, you know, it's something, I mean, you guys can probably relate to that, right? Meeting somebody through Zoom is cool, but it's a totally different effect meeting someone in person, right? 100%. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, the belly to belly so to speak aspect
2: of like, you know, really being able to read somebody's expressions and 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 just how they carry themselves, I think that has helped us determine who we want to go into business with and who we want to actually become partners on deals with is the fact that we're able to either have 50 75 Zoom calls, right? Like that type of thing and or meet these people in
3: person. So I totally agree with that. I was, uh, what you just mentioned about some people missing the fact that that they fail, Uh, I was, did you guys happen to watch that video from Alex Formosi, uh, where it talks about, uh, I hope everybody makes, becomes rich so they realize this one thing. And then it talks about how many people, they they will be talking to their friends and somebody will say that, uh, how good it is going in whatever business they're doing. And then this person sees the grass is greener than the other side and they go chase that one thing that their buddy just told them, but then... They forgot to miss the part that they that hey man it, it took me all this failure before I got to where the point that I am and then you as a naive person chasing that shiny object did not know that and now you're in this uninformed uh optimism in which you're sort of in this downward downward spiral uh thinking that this doesn't work uh, you know it's like I don't know he's
2: he I've knows. seen the uh the the circle that he talks about like the the yeah. The, the fact that the only way that you break through is that you push through one of them, and it actually takes you out of the circle, and it goes towards the business that you actually want. But it happens all the time, Sach. I mean, if you think about it, if you look in TV shows and movies, you're watching somebody. I, I've seen it hundreds of times. You see somebody with a really nice car, and you're like, oh, what do you do? And you're willing to risk it all. You're willing. You're desperate. Like, I'll dive into that business. And then when you get into that, you're like, holy shit. Like, this is not what I thought it was at all. And little do you know that it's going to take 13 years of grinding it out, failure, changes, some success. You think you're doing well, you're not. You tr- you're at a peak, and then you go into a valley, rather than just seeing the end result, right? And I think that's extremely important to notice because, or to mention because we've been through the peaks and valleys in our business, and I feel like we know it though. Like it's kind of this thing we've learned by talking to entrepreneurs like yourself and other investors. We know what to expect and that's the whole getting in the rooms thing. It's like now I know okay this is what they're talking about. So whenever I'm feeling like shit or I'm like this isn't working it's the I can't just give it up like look what we've created so far. Look where I was a couple years ago and not compare myself to Satch who has over a thousand units. If I did that I really wouldn't feel good about myself at any point. So I I think that that comparison game can really hurt people and then you build all these bridges and you never get to the final destination.
1: Well I think it's it's important to talk to about this too. It's like, if you pull us out, all of us out of the game right now, right? We can come back in much easier than someone that's brand new because we've already experienced all these failures along the way that we're not afraid of those anymore. And you're just like, oh, dude, that's just part of that. Like, we had a house burned to the ground. We're like, okay, whatever, man. Like, I mean, we didn't say whatever man right away, right? It was like, oh shit, what do we do? And we have to figure this entire thing out. But it worked out. But now we're like, whatever. Like, the worst has happened, right? And, and not the worst because it can always get worse. But contact will be made. I forget it's I think it's like an uh, Ohio State like mantra or something like that. but basically, the whole thing is like if you think something could happen, just prepare that that's going to happen to you. and you're it's preparing for the worst, right? It's just kind of going in. So you're not expect you don't when it happens, you're not caught off guard. you're like, you know what? It sucks, but it's part of the game and like let's move forward. You talk to everyone that's at the end journey, end of their journey, right? and they they, they reach this peak, which is you know, kind of there's never really an end peak, but let's just say that They're at a very far destination compared to where they were in the beginning. And they always talk about the journey and how important that was. And that was actually more beneficial to them than the end. They're like, dude, this is cool. But like half of it was grinding every day and proving what I could do. And like, it's it's the challenge. And we're all very competitive guys and gals out there. Like, that's why we're entrepreneurs. We just, we keep chasing. We want to better ourselves. And um, I think it's just a cool thing to talk about with other entrepreneurs because you get it, right? We're all going through this similar thing. Uh, We're educating, trying, failing, finally succeeding, getting knocked back down, taking two steps forward, three steps back, and like it's just a crazy thing. But when you get into the rooms with the with these types of people and like all of us, it it helps motivate you to keep going, right? Because you know it's important, and other people are going through it too. So,
3: yeah, yeah. And you 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 guys you both brought a really good point that I like to highlight, which is um, have you guys read the book called The Psychology of Money? No. Okay. No, but
2: I think Brian talked about that on uh, Brian Lubin on one of the podcasts. I think we've had him on twice. He talked about that. So go ahead.
3: Yeah, which is you mentioned the, the 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 comparison game, right? So so I think a lot of us in even entrepreneurship or whatever area of life you are you are you you tend to compare yourself with other people, which is kind of normal, right? You, you kind of try to do that, and I think I think it's healthy up to a certain level, just because. You know, if you're trying to do uh, com- if you're competitive, right? You try to see what someone else is doing and you're like, all right, I'm gonna beat him. Um, but the problem what happens, the problem sometimes is that we come that that comparison selling is so high and the book talks about this and it just starts it's really amazing the way if you guys read the book and the- how he compares it from like a rookie baseball player making uh five hundred thousand dollars a year to uh, a super successful baseball player making uh thirty 30- with a thirty-four million con- thirty four million dollar contract. Uh and how this rookie basic player comparing himself to the to the uh, successful basic player just feels like a failure, right? But then this guy with a thirty-four million dollar contract compares himself to the top hedge fund manager, and that I mean this guy made four point two billion dollars last year. Obviously, he feels like a failure, right? And but then this top hedge fund manager compares himself to Warren Buffett. Then so no, you know it's like it's never it never really ends, right? So it's just it's a it's a it's a dumb game to play especially when you're comparing yourself with someone that is not in your same lane we're playing different games and I think I I fell into that trap and sometimes I, I have to like pull myself even today right, out of, out of that hole because I start I start seeing you start seeing things material items and you start thinking oh man I don't have those why not right and then you start um, uh comparing yourself but then it's like dude I'm playing a different game we're all playing different games right and and one of the things I talk about, and the way I, I loop it back into flying, is is when we go flying, we have a flight plan. We know where we know where we're going. We know what route we're gonna take. We know uh, where we're gonna be in the air every single minute along the way. How much fuel we need, and we know all of these things about our flight. But when it comes to our goals in life, whether that's in your marriage, uh, your kids, uh, your 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 business, your health, we don't really have a flight plan, right? We're just gonna go at it. And imagine if we just took off in the air, we didn't have a destination, we don't know how much fuel we need. We just fucking said, "Oh, let's go!" Right? You're gonna probably crash the plane. And same thing happens with us in our life, right? We just we just kind of go, and and sometimes we fail to have the flight plan set for whatever uh, area or game in life we have, right? So it's, it's super critical, in my opinion, and something I do in my life is to to ensure I have the flight plan in business where I want to go, where I'm gonna be in five years and stop that social comparison, right? And I don't compare myself to other guys in business. It's pretty cool. I see that and I'm like, man, that's awesome, right? They're doing pretty good, but I don't, I stop it from making me feel like I should be doing that as well, because I'm like, we're playing different games. Yep, totally. I'm, I'm curious about that. You mentioned
2: the, you know where you're going, which I, from a pilot, it makes perfect sense that you would know where you're going. So, um, what about the next five years, three years? Like, wh- where are you going? What do you want to achieve next? You've done a lot in business actually in a pretty short time in the real estate game, right? Like five, six years, which is awesome. So what does the next three years look like for you? Are you going to continue to GP deals? Do you want to be more passive? Do you have a certain place in the country that you like to invest? I'm just curious to hear what's next for you.
3: Yeah. uh, For the next five years, I want to continue raising capital at least 50% um, more every year for the next five years. That's my business goal. I don't think that I'm gonna grow my team much much bigger than what we are with only three of us and I kind of like our our uh how we're lean we are just one of my uh, biggest advantages and the way I, I uh, position our company to certain investors is uh you know me as a company I don't I don't need to do a deal um by the way I eventually went back to fly right so I still, I still fly and so make pretty good money doing that. Right. And and I don't need to do a deal. I can go a whole deal a whole year without doing a deal. I don't need to collect an acquisition fee to pay my employees. I can pay them out of my airline income, you know. It doesn't bother me. So I say that to say I'm not emotional about making deals. If if a deal doesn't just doesn't meet our criteria, we just don't do it. Right. And then my investors know that. And they don't they know that whenever I put a deal in 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 their, you know, coming from us, it's a deal that we feel strongly about and we're going to invest ourselves. And um so as far as my team goes I like I like our position being lean like that and and staying staying lean for that reason but I do want to continue growing at least 50% in capital raise every single year that's as far as my business uh uh, uh game goes right and and my flight plan there and then I obviously have my health flight plan my family flight plan is another one that is super important to me right and something we did early on uh Steve as so you guys had him on the podcast right he's my coach um and some something we talked about is, is having a uh like we plan out all of our family vacations in advance, right? Like we know where we're going every single quarter. Uh we make a goal to at least go for a week somewhere. Uh and 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 so it's that's super important to me, right? And so for a whole year, we already know where we're going. And and so having that, that's my my family flight plan there, right?
1: Very cool. I think, uh, I think it's super important all around. I want to touch on two things. One, you mentioned you went back to flying. And for me, I think that's so cool because a lot of people try to run from their W-2 job or they think real estate's going to be their escape. Seems like you hedged your bet, right? A passion, you wanted to be a pilot since you were a kid. You told us you wanted to fly, right? And you get to do that every day that you want. Now I know you don't fly every single day, right? But let's just say you you get to do what you want on a daily basis, but you're just in the event that something happens again, covid um, I, I, you know, if something bad happens, right, and it takes out flying, you still have your real estate to fall back on, and you're great at it. You have an amazing team that you're like, dude, I'm like, you have stability all around. I really like that, but you're fueling your passions from the real estate you get to go fly all the time. So I think that's awesome. Um, second, I know you mentioned Steve, Steve Rosenberg. He's awesome. We had him on the show a couple of years ago and, uh, just a polarizing guy, right? I think that might be a great word. To, like, he's got the mustache, he's got the bright blue eyes. I'm like, dude, like, he just commands, like, Big balance, right? He's Jack. Like, I just love the dude. He's and and that's not it. Like, he's just a kind human being. Um, you mentioned he's your coach, so I wanted to touch on that. Like, a lot of times, it seemed like you were kind of um regimented with you have your family life, you have your health, you have W two, you got real estate, right? There's uh, flight patterns that you mentioned or flight plans. Steve, um, I assume is a is your like a kind of life and business coach kind of combined there. Can you talk to, to about the benefits of that because we're coming to a point. The reason it's a selfish question. We're coming to a point where things are coming on fast, right? We're like, whoa, we're trying to balance everything, but it really helps when you have someone coming over the top, looking down on your sphere, right, from like an unbiased opinion and saying, hey, like you need to step up in this, this, and this. Can you talk to the benefits of of hiring Steve? And then what point did you realize you needed him? And maybe, I don't know if it was on the GPLP side, like kind of how it like wove together. Maybe this is just like in life, you hit something and, and you're like, whoa, I need someone to help, you know, retract me here. So I'd love to hear that.
3: Yeah, no, and you hit it right on the head. Uh, it's more of like a combination between a life and a life and a business coach. And um, the benefits and the reason why I hired him as coach is to show me the things that I don't know that are coming. And it's one of the things that we talked about. And I remember early on, he asked me, "What did like?" He's like, "Hey, man, what problems are you having? What did you need me to help you with fixing?" And I said. I don't have any problems, but I know some are coming, and that's what I want you to help me fix. Uh, you know, and and so essentially, help me see three feet out in front of me or farther than I can see before I even get there. You know, because I know he's been down this path, and he can point out to me the things that I'm not aware of. And that to me is the biggest. Uh, I'll pay for that all the time. You know, and because uh, one of the things I've learned from even uh, Ray Dalio, right, uh, from Rich Water Associates. His success, his greatest success is not on how to do things, but rather on how to handle things that he doesn't know how to do and on challenges that arise. So, to me, that's where the uh, biggest differentiator comes in on knowing how to handle things that I still don't know that are coming. And having someone like him on my side is really that, you know, helping me overcome those challenges. That's
2: brilliant. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say it like that, the way that you articulated it, which is awesome. And we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but there's such a focus in this country on education, right? Or the lack of, of in certain in communities and, and like, we need education, we need education. And and I think about it, and it's like the education system is built so that the first 20 years of your life, you're educated, right? Maybe starting at four or five. And then when you're 22, it's like, that sentiment has just, just goes away. You're like, okay, get educated. And by the time you're 22, which by the way, your brain isn't even fully developed yet. most say that I I believe it's 25, maybe even later, I'm not a doctor, but I think the point is, is that like, it just stops at 22. You're like, yep. Uh, well you got educated. You did that as if you're not going to grow mentally, physically, emotionally for the next 70 years. Right. So honing in on the education aspect and not just letting it be the first 20 years of your life, I think is huge. And doing that coaching is your way of doing that. Like I'm hiring a coach. We hire, I forget you said it like episodes ago, you're like, you know, you have coaches for sports your whole life, right? And then in the biggest game that you play, which is the actual life that you live, people shy away from hiring a coach and or or having a confidant or an advisory team. And I think that's really the circle that you keep. So, I mean, we don't have a co a coach for our business, but we have really good relationships with people, friends, mastermind that are all thinking and dr- and going in the same direction. I think that's really helped us. Yeah,
1: it totally has, and I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the way you framed it about you know. Growing up, we had a coach for every single thing. And, but also, like, your brain is still developing at 22, and then you're done. They're like, yeah, yeah oh, like, go ahead, go try life out. Yeah, Hopefully, just figure it out. Hopefully, it you hit. know how to manage a checkbook, like your own <laughs> personal balance sheet, like all this. There's so many things, right?
2: Like, go figure out how to find insurance and find, yeah, manage your finances. Dude, the shit that we learned this year about taxes, unbelievable. This year, i 31, learning about taxes, stuff that I've never even, like, I couldn't have been taught it. I was like, what? Like, we have such a great account now. I'm like, whole thank Thank you for being there, right, to teach us that stuff. And the point is, you need
1: to you need to get it through your head. Like at some point, you're gonna have to pay someone. I know there's a lot of frugal people listening, and they're like, "Well, I just need to, you know, especially especially frugal and cheap people. Frugal isn't cheap, so right, good
2: word, but, right, yeah, they're not
1: cheap. <laughs> but they're like, "Hey, my money's best spent elsewhere. I need to go buy the next property." It's like, no, you need to find the best team possible, so that way you can go attack any type of project you have, and so. For Corey and I, I think we're realizing, at least selfishly, uh, maybe or maybe more personally here. I don't. I don't want to speak for Corey, but like I'm realizing, we're getting to this tipping point where we have a lot of different things going on. We have ownership in multiple businesses. We have our W2s. We have a bunch of real estate. We have the whole team to like help drive up all these businesses. However, at the top, we don't have someone help puppeteering it along with us, and it's like. I think that's the, the reason I brought up Steve is just because I, I really like the guy and I love that you brought up his coach. I think Jason Drees is, is Brandon is like People talk about their coaches, right? We're going to need to hire a coach and I'm just putting it out there and saying it live so that it's back here. So I have to like force myself to hire one at one point because we're getting to that point where we're like early thirties and I know at some point in our lives here in the next couple of years, that's going to be the thing that takes us to the next level, right? You you hit a certain point point, you're like, all right, it's time, dude. You, you already spent money on the mastermind. You already spent money on hiring all the best you know, uh, what do you want to call them? Like support systems uh, along the way with the CPA and and, uh, the attorneys and all that. Now it's time for someone to help you personally. I think that's the thing. Like I want to plan my vacations, dude. That was the most basic thing you said, all, all thing. And I'm like, dude, I need that. Like, I want something to look forward to. And it's so basic. You need something to force you when you have so much other things going on. So I appreciate uh, the side conversation on the coaching. It's great.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I love it, man. Yeah, it goes on the calendar, man. It, it goes on the calendar, and everything, and not just that. Also, everything we do throughout the week, uh, goes on the calendar. So, so that and and my wife and I, we know this. We share each other's calendars. We know what each other is doing throughout the day, right? So she knows all my goals, like this going on, and but she knows that if we're gonna do something, and that's one of, one of the things that I love, right? I like the the flexibility. Like we could be on a Tuesday going to I live in Orlando, right? So we'll go to Universal or parks on a in the midday right but we block that calendar we block it and nothing else gets thrown in there right so we just we're very purposeful about doing that right we we block out in our calendars the things that we want to do it doesn't have to be a vacation but throughout the week right things that we want to do as a family and that way it's never if it, 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 i made the mistake of early on putting so much emphasis in the business that i will i will neglect neglect them right and i was like hey i'm i'm busy i'm doing this and it came out the weekend and my, my brain is fried. I don't even know what to think or what to do, what to plan. But in this way, it's, it's planned, it's on the books and it's on the calendar. There's no choice, right? We're doing it. You just show up. Yeah. That's the way to um, do it. Today. Yeah.
2: Cool. yeah. My my girlfriend's actually taught me a lot about that too, just inadvertently. I don't think she's attempting to teach me, but like, like the, she's the plan, she plans stuff and I, good thing for me is I just have to show up But I think the point around that is being present in any scenario that you're in and I have trouble with that. Like I know I can feel myself being pulled. I have a thought about something and I'm like glazing over. I'm like, okay, now I need to pay attention to this person, to this scenario, to the time that, I be, that I'm spending right now because what's the point of doing all the business shit if you're not going to enjoy the time off or you're not going to enjoy even the little moments. Like I'll go on a walk in the middle of the day and I'm like, I just need to think about just holistic shit. I don't know. Like just think about the trees and just being in nature. and am like, just, just be there because like time is just, just moves on and on and on. It's like, what's the point of doing all the stuff if you can't like just stay in that moment? And 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 I, the, you made me think of it with the planning of like whatever it is, put it in your calendar. And I've started to do that. Like I've started to. I don't put a fifteen minute walk in my calendar. I'm not like psycho, but like I I've been more more intentional. Like I put, when am I going to the gym? Like what day? You know, if I go four or five days a week, what day and what time am I going to the gym? And if I got like, kind of to squeeze it in between this meeting, then I know. I got to do it then. And then, like, I have this meeting where we're talking about the podcast. I got to be focused in on that. And I struggle with it. I'm not suggesting that I'm really good at it, but it's one of the things that I want to work
3: on. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's a good point. Um, I live by my calendar. I'm like very regimented. I color coordinate all that. No one's yeah. perfect by any means. But to your point,
2: I think we're all addicted to these cell phones. I think you're right? better than me yeah. at it, to be honest. Like, you're better at shutting it. Like, be, like I am like,
1: you are a spacey, but we're getting yeah. back. Dude. You're yeah. you're, get, you're you've gotten, gotten much better, and it. not spacey, right? It's just like I notice we'll be on a, for example, you're crammed with your W two, right? And then yeah. we had a meeting about real estate, and you're like off on looking at your computer. I'm like, look back at me right now. But it's uh the 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 important thing is to talk about here is we're addicted to our phones, right? However, our lives, all of us, include like oh, let's just say everyone in this room, right? We make money through our phones. And then through our social media as well, through the podcast, like everything is linked to this one thing. So if you constantly have it on you, then obviously you're going to get pulled back into it. So it's it's really like setting it aside. Like if you're at dinner, drop it in the basket or just like put it in the other room. It'll it'll be fine. Like the whole the world's not going to crumble in the hour that you need to spend with your family. Right. And then you can actually be present. But to Corey's point, it's weird. You get this little tingle. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, what's going on? Like, I want to, like, figure out. Like, core text me about this. Like, blah, blah, blah.
2: Well, dude, if I, like, leave my phone, for example, like, I I love the golf. It's, like, my new thing. And I'm trying to get better at it. But, like, my thing with it is, like, I'll leave my phone away for five hours. And it's amazing. But I do have that thing when I get back. I'm like, I got to check all all the notifications. And it's overwhelming. You're like, what am I looking at? I'm doing, like, but it's, but, so there is an addictive aspect to it, like you said. But (laughs) I
1: think this. To, to this is like the, the bigger conversation I want to talk about is like being in business, like waking up every day and having the purpose of running your own show, right? Like running your own business. Like you have, you have V1 Capital. We have, um we have Juice Enterprises. We have the podcast, all this. Like there's, there's a purpose and a fulfillment from that. And it becomes addicting. You're like, dude, I just want to like, this is my baby. Like I got to raise it. I got to, we can get better in like six different ways. We can go marketing, go sales, blah, blah, blah. And like, you just get wrapped up in the wheel and it kind of reminds me of the phone addiction where it's like dude chill out like it's awesome <laughs> it's the competitive nature that we all have because i know you have it dude we, we're like checking in on things that have like four months ago it's like all right dude like we'll collect that cash we can't it, it's it's an uh, i don't know how to explain it like if you're listening to your entrepreneur you'll understand what i'm talking yeah. about because there's ongoing projects there's future projects there's previous projects that are all going on then you still have your family you have your health you have your vacations you have your passions and like how to manage this whole thing is like maybe dude maybe hire a life coach right like that's that's why my brain is kind of on that subject it's
2: a blessing and a curse not yeah. saying it's all it's all it's good to to be psychotic like us yeah anyway Satch, so this has been awesome it's it's been a pleasure to, to to kind of get to know you but one of the questions we like to ask at the end of the show is if you could go back to your younger self like your 18 year old self what advice would you give him i'm not and i always caveat this like i'm not suggesting that he would listen He probably wouldn't, but But, what advice would you give him and why, knowing what you know now?
3: I'll say, in that situation, I'll tell myself to spend, I'm trying to think of something that would be useful for the audience, but really, in my case, it was literally, I was just a party boy, right, when I was that age, and, and... I wish I would have saved more money and become more disciplined with my investing at an early age. I think I would have been farther ahead, but on the same token, I don't know if kind of like going back to what we were just talking about, right? Like what's the point of, if if I'm from 10 million, if I'm at 12 million, it's like, is that really going to make a big difference as a, and like not partying when i was 18 i don't know right
2: <laughs> yeah it's like that those things gave you the life experience that you right. needed to know which direction to go in like if you didn't party and you didn't have all the experiences with the people that you did like maybe you wouldn't have even went the direction that you went and not to like you know your answer is great but it's it's i always like to hear when people say i wish i got started earlier it's like well maybe you wouldn't have, maybe you would have been burnt out maybe you wouldn't have liked it as much at 22 as you do it 30, I don't know how old you are. You look like you're 35. 30, 31 Okay, great. Yeah. There you go. Oh,
1: yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs>
2: that's I just gave, same, an, just gave a gave a number. Uh, yeah, we're Oh so good. Large. Um oh, yeah, I, I screwed you in a little bit there. No, uh, I, I'll take those four years back. You look like you're 31. <laughs> that's great. But, yeah, that's the last question.
1: Yeah, that was brilliant. All right. So last last one we'll uh we'll put a bow on it here, but I love this question. Um it's more of a personal question. So, what do you want your legacy to be? So, what gets you out of bed every morning to do what you do? What's your like overarching why
3: on why you attack the day you do the way you do it? Um, I'll say it depends on what it is. It depends on 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 you know. I I, I originally I just to ask get asked this question a lot, right? And I and I think I usually hear people say that, that their reason for everything or their why is, is their their kids or the family, and and I feel bad when I did not resonate with an answer. Because I was like, you know, my son doesn't. He doesn't care if I have a very successful business, right? Like, hey, son, I made I made three more million dollars this year. Is whatever, dude. Spend more time with me. That's what I care, right? So, what gets me up every morning is really driving the score in each one of the games in my life. Because I have a flight plan, I have a goal where I wanted to get, and and, and all of those things combined just really get me excited. There, like, I get excited every day. To wake up and just tackle the things that I got to do. Like, I don't, I don't, I have problems like everybody else does, but even then, I wake up excited and I'm ready to go, you know? And, and, yeah. um, so, so it, it, it depends on what game it is and business. I kind of want to get better every day and just want to keep driving the score. And, 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 you know, we're all competitive, right? We just want to keep going and pushing and, and see how far we can take it, right? For the same with my family, right? I, I, I kind of want, as far as going back to the legacy, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I I want my son to know that he can do whatever he wants. You know, that's kind of one of my biggest things. When I when I leave this earth, three generations from now, four generations from now, they're not gonna know my name, right? I'm gonna be nothing. But at least I want my direct next generation to know that my son to know that, hey, you know, especially living in America, man, dude, you can do whatever you want in this country. You can if you're if you were born here, you're like the luckiest man on earth, you know. You can you can really become here whatever you want.
1: I love that. That's a great answer. I think it's important to touch on like some people always deflect and, and mention family, which is great. Like I that is definitely a piece of the puzzle, right? But there is something about being able to get up and do what you want every day and get excited about it. Like have that extra little fire in you, right? Just to attack the day. Some people, if you do everything just for your family, but you you hate what you're doing, it's like, what, what do you mean? Like what, an, what type of answer is that? So um, very important. It wasn't selfish. I, I resonate with that as well. Like we all have families, but it's really being able to have purpose and passion and fulfillment around waking up every day, going to attack the day, knowing that everybody works and everybody's got problems and BS that goes on. But as long as you can smile through it, it's worth it. Right. So, um, totally. yeah, man with that, let's
2: wrap the episode. I think that was awesome. Yep. Satch, it's been a pleasure, man. I want to, um, learn about where people can get in touch with you. If they want to network, they want to f- follow you that maybe they, they, f- Took a liking to you, maybe they're a pilot, maybe they want to invest in your deals. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll say one of the best ways uh, if you want to, I actually have a freebie. If you want to download uh, an ebook, I have a free ebook. If you want to, if you were interested in what we were talking about syndications and investing passively in real estate, you can uh, go to wealthypilot.net and you can download a, a free ebook that I created. Um, and aside from that, I'm on all social media. So little you stop at my name, Saj Bernhardt. And uh, I'm, I, I'm talking to a lot of people all day, every day. Love it. Satch. thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in this week to the Weekly Juice Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and share with friends. The more ratings we get, the more ears we'll get on our show, and in turn, we'll be able to provide you with more high-quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, where we post daily tips and tricks and document our own journey towards financial freedom. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice.